FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 107 of the podcast that goes snicked. Snicked. We're your host. Hostesses. Not again. <laughs> no, you actually said it right. I just was waiting for you to mess right. up when you didn't. I know. Um, anyway, <laughs> we're your hosts. <laughs> Jason. <laughs> we're your hosts, Jason and Denise Venable. And we're here to bring you some snicktastic action. Snicktastic. Yeah, or something like that. Anyway, uh, this episode we're gonna focus on the Logan Legacy Spotlight on Sabretooth. Dun dun dun. Yeah, we catch up with Logan's arch nemesis and see what he's been up to since Wolverine kicked the old adamantium bucket. I think he might might have some issues. I think he got into to a painting. And uh, crafts, hot glue, scrapbooking. Maybe got that manicure he's been waiting for so long. He found glitter. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll also uh, have a, our special wolf requiem for a Wolverine section. And glitter. Nope, nope, no glitter. Oh. Yes, glitter. <laughs> Someone should do a glitter cover. What? Someone should do a special glitter embossed cover. Yes, and and let's um, inform all of our listeners what you Who wants to start glitter. in? <laughs> Who wants to start a new Dazzler comic? Oh, and glitter just falls out of it from everywhere. <laughs> That's the only thing that can make a Dazzler comic suck more, is to put glitter in it. For those that don't know, hell yeah. is decorated in glitter. Yes, hell is decorated in glitter. Well, it just reminds me of, um, oh, what's, the, what's that comedian's name? Dan Cook. He okay. tells a joke about... When he got fired, so he went up and blew a handful of glitter in the guy's face or whatever <laughs> for revenge. What's funny? I'm sure his joke was a lot funnier than what I just said. Maybe. My favorite is when I walk the kids to school, there's a little girl, and she's like, I have this special powder that has glitter in it, and I just want to go, why? <laughs> <laughs> yes, but this episode is not the podcast that goes glitterific. <laughs> <laughs> it, is no. a, it is a podcast that goes snicked, and so we're going to talk about some comics. So, here we go. Okay, so first up, we're going to shine the Logan Legacy Spotlight on Sabretooth. Shine, let it shine. How does that song go? <laughs> I have no idea what you're singing. I'm going to... I know in the 90s, every alt band had a uh, shine, a song called Shine. No, it's like... Collective Soul. I'm going to shine. Shine down on you. Okay. I don't know. Anyway. This no, is it's like, your love, I'm on the let it. The point of the anyway was that we were moving on. Oh, moving on. <laughs> so we have a low. <laughs> now I remember. I'm going to let it. This shine. little line of mine. <laughs> That's what you were trying to think of? This yes. little line of mine. Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right, so anyway, we have the Logan Legacy number three. Twat. Sounds too much like twat, which your mom thinks is a bum. (laughs) And makes me bite my tongue every time she says it. I have not the heart to tell her what she's really saying. Doesn't she say some other word that means like... (laughs) She said something about jacking it not too long ago, and I don't think she meant masturbating. (laughs) 
Ah, oh, there's something crazy grandparents. <laughs> anyway, this is written by Kyle Higgins, which I, I yes. was <laughs> dramatic pause, <laughs> not on purpose. I just swallowed my words. So, when Mike Martz came over um, as editor, he brought a bunch of his Bat Family writers to write Death and Wolverine stuff. And one of the ones I was most excited about was Kyle Higgins coming over to write a story. Because his stuff on Nightwing, his run on Nightwing, was like seriously one of the best things about the New 52. It was a fantastic book that I loved to pieces. So I was really stoked to see what he would do. Anyway, art by Jonathan Marks. Colors by Lee Luffridge. Letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. And the cover is by Jonathan Marks and Jose Villarubia. So I'm going to guess that Jonathan Marks went to Stan Lee's poker game and won. <laughs> because I don't get why he is suddenly on all the different Wolverine books. He's just, he's not my flavor. I don't think he's anybody's flavor. No, he must be somebody's. Because we've been seeing a lot of him lately. So this cover is actually good, I think. I like the cover. So the cover is Sabretooth all growling. And in the background, we have Wolverine and some kind of like either fire or sun or something behind him. He's like got a hot pink silhouette. And he's got his claws out. And the claws look great. I think Sabretooth on the cover looks pretty great. Yeah. And it's a very wild cover. It fits Sabretooth. So I like the cover quite a bit. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I also really like our intro. So it says... The lives of Victor Creed and Logan have been intertwined for decades, from their youth in Canada, to their transformation in the Weapon X program, to the X-Men and the Brotherhood of Mutants. Sabretooth has taken great pleasure in his hatred and torment of the Wolverine. But now, with Logan dead, Victor faces the cold truth. Dramatic pause. He was not the one who killed him. Yeah. So dun, dun, dun. I think this is a great intro. I do too. And then we go to the story. <laughs> so we start off with a guy in a Wolverine costume in the middle of a stadium and he doesn't know where he is. And he looks down and this poor guy has knives and exact box cutters like duct taped to the back of his hands. And he's in a little Wolverine costume and he takes his mask off and he's like, do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? And um, we see Sabretooth stalked on a fence and he runs up and he slices the guy's throat. Then he drags the guy off and throws him to the wolves. Literally, to the wolves. So then we go to Somalia and Sabretooth's hooked up with some terrorists, and he's going to stick around, and he's killing people. And this guy says he's glad Sabretooth's killing people, but, you know, we kind of measure ourselves by the people we kill, right? Right. We're normal people, we kill other normal people, and we feel good about it. Because I guess that's what terrorists do. <laughs> I don't know. But then he says, but you, you're bigger, better than us, but you just kill us. But there's a name you murmur in your sleep, a Logan. Why don't you go kill him? And Sabretooth gets pissy. Then we see, actually, probably my favorite sequence of the actual comic. Sabretooth has a dream about Wolverine. And he dreams that Wolverine kills him. And he wakes up in one of, I think, one of the best snicks of the year. Yeah. We don't actually see the snick. We see Sabretooth waking up and doing the one thing that Jonathan Marks does that I really like, which is the two-dimensional silhouette. 
Yeah. I, think, I actually think he's really good at that. Yeah. And he should just draw his art like that all the time. <laughs> Everything happens at night. Yeah. And in the shadow. It should just all be abstract shadow. That's all I should do. Anyway, Sabertooth wakes up yelling and there's a snicked painted behind him. Yeah. I think it's really cool because it's almost the, it's the, the snicked of his dreams. Where he dreamed that Logan popped the last claw. Because in the dream, we have the scene where Logan has two claws under his chin on either side of his face. And he's about to pop the middle claw. And that's where Sabretooth wakes up. I like how he he checks under his neck to see if he got stabbed. And when he realizes he did it, he's like, damn it. Like, he wants that. He wants for Wolverine to slice his throat so he can wake up and heal and kill him. But he's in an empty church in Somalia, and we see he's got another Wolverine costume he's dragging around. And he wakes this guy up, and he goes, Say, you're about 5'2", right? And the guy's like, uh, no, I'm 5'4". And he's like, close enough. And he hands him a Wolverine mask. Yep, so he's going to die. So then we find out there's a mutant in the other terrorist army, or the Liberation Army, or whoever these guys are fighting. And he's a guy that can turn people to fire. La barra. Anyway, Sabretooth fights him and he gets burnt. And then we have a completely incomprehensible two pages of fighting where, or no, really like three, four, four pages of fighting almost where I have no idea what happens. Yeah, I This is even. horrid. <laughs> I was like, what? What? Who? Huh? What? Huh? Yeah. Okay. This is where his, uh, this guy's abstraction, or is it abstraction or abstractness? I, whatever you want to call it. Anyway, it doesn't work in his favor because it's just a bloody mess. I have no idea what's going on. And then in the end, Sabretooth's all burnt to a crisp, but of course he can heal. But then he picks up this, like, burnt Wolverine mask. So, like, during the fight at some point, did he try to put the mask on the guy? And was that what we're supposed to think? Or did this fight just happen to take place at the old stadium and this was the mask from the other guy he already killed and he just left there? I have no idea what happened. Or did it just fall out of his pocket? When they were at the church, I think he takes the mask with him. Like, after he kills him, he takes the mask so he can give it to the next person he's going to kill to role play. Right. So So is he trying to put it on this guy so he can kill somebody better in a Wolverine mask? No, I think he's more like Wolverine. No, I think what he's trying to say is I don't need this anymore. Well, yeah, at the end, he throws it on the fire because he doesn't right. need it anymore. But it comes out during the fight, right? Because it's burning. Like, it's... The other Where guy picks it, it up. Burning? The other guy picks... Well, it looks... Maybe it's just ripped up. But it look, it's damaged. And the other guy, the other the terrorist leader, picks it up. And he hands it back to Victor. Or Victor takes it. I guess it falls right. off of his person. Yeah, okay. So, whatever. But then Sabretooth, so this big, this whole story that Sabretooth realizes, he doesn't have to be a loser just because he didn't kill Wolverine. He can go find other things that are really badass to kill. And so he throws the Wolverine mask on the fire, and that's the end. Wow. So, alright, so the concept in and of itself is not bad. I like the idea that Creed is going mental. The idea that he, like, gets pissy because somebody else killed Wolverine and he dresses people up like Wolverine and kills them, like to kind of all of a sudden away try to get back at the wor- at the universe for taking away his his favorite play thing. Well, um, it reminded me of like Criminal Minds, like when the people they have that psychotic break, something happens, right. and they just go off the deep end, and like in their mind, it makes sense to them. Yeah, I mean, because in his own way, he misses Wolverine. Yes, because he misses messing with them. 
Yeah, I really think that, that the big part of Sabretooth's personality, and he, he's like the consummate big brother, like Wayne on The Wonder Years. He just really, really gets off on just kind of picking at people. Yeah. You know? And so now his favorite person, he can't visit Wolverine every year on his birthday to try to make his life a living hell. All that's been taken away from him. And to make up for the Wolverine-sized hole in his heart, he's trying to... um kill other people dressed like Wolverine but just like an addict the fake drug doesn't do the trick nope and I like where he comes out at the end where he's like you know what you're right I I can I can still raise hell it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to involve Wolverine I can just go be badass saber tooth all on my own right so that alone I love that idea yeah art the art's pretty bad and I don't the whole, like, I'm going to run off to Somalia. Like, I get it. But I also kind but of he, feel like he has so much going on with, like, the hand and stuff. Well, I was going to say, like, like... You would think he would have enough distractions. Or he could just do that in Japan. Right. Like, oh, here, I'm going to grab a bunch of guys and dress them up like Wolverine. And me and my hand buddies will attack them or whatever. Well, but, and quite honestly, if he is having a psychotic break, him being in Japan is probably a... It makes the psychotic break seem more realistic. Whereas... Yeah. It's like he's trying to run away from his problems, and I don't see Sabretooth as someone who runs away from right. his problems. So the only thing I would say is this kind of puts Sabretooth back in his old days where he was just like a mercenary and a bounty hunter, and that Sabretooth would have easily like just kind of been a gun for hire in a third world country army. You know, like, right. that makes sense. I guess to me, and it, it makes sense that he would even use that as like a vacation. <laughs> You know, like some what people, some people go to Greece. Some people go fight in a third world rebellion or be that's a terrorist. What, that's what we want to do, baby. Yeah. So, so I guess it's not that far of a break. I just kind of feel like the Marvel universe cannot decide where they want Sabretooth to be. No. Like sometimes he's in a suit and he's the leader of the Japanese underworld, and sometimes he's um, got crazy hair and he's he's chained up to the Viper like a dog. And so, you know, it's like they just can't figure out exactly where they want him to be. Well, and quite honestly, I think they themselves haven't figured out where he needs. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like Sabretooth has so many personalities. Right. That's what it is. We'll make him schizophrenic. You got to throw out there again the very hated story that there could be a clone. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm really disappointed in the lack of hate mail I've gotten for, for, for being a proponent of that theory. Have you gotten any? No, no one cares. Okay. <laughs> I think everyone just tries to forget that story. I thought it was actually okay. <laughs> but anyway, anyway. Um, but yeah, this, man, I'm just... So I you're I'm, a big size. <sighs> and just the art drives me nuts, and I don't think it fits the story. No, it doesn't fit the story. And I, I understand like the, the savagery, but it's, right. it's too, I don't know. Well, okay, so let me, I hated the inside art. Sorry, hate's a strong word, but guess what? <laughs> Didn't like it. It's not for me. No. Somebody likes them, and if you're that somebody, more power to you. Yeah. Enjoy the heck out of this book. But Fine. I will say, he did a bang-up job on the cover. Yeah. And maybe that's just his thing. Maybe, well, and, maybe and, he just needs to be moved to covers. Well, in previous issues, he's had he has good panels. Panels. Yes. Just not pages. Not comics. <laughs> panels. Yeah. A um, small square on a page. Yeah. All right. Well. Let's grade it. Let's Otherwise, grade. we're just going to sit here for another 45 and, and minutes. Bitch. Yeah. yeah. What are you going to grade the Logan Legacy number three? I'm going to give it one out of six. One out of six. Okay. Man, I'm bummed. I was, why did Kyle Higgins have to get 
paired up with this guy. I'm going to give it two out of six claws. I think there's enough good ideas in the story that I don't hate it as a comic. Yeah, but at the same time, the last four pages, I was like, okay, yeah. Um. Yeah, but that's not... I mean, Higgins probably just said, hey, have a big fight between the fire guy and Sabretooth. Yeah. And this guy got some paint and dumped it on a page and... Drew a couple of eyeballs and claws. Anyway, that's our Logan Legacy Spotlight on Sabretooth. Okay, so next up, we're going to kick off the Weapon X program. Number one, it's the Death of Wolverine what follow-up series. It basically picks up the pieces right after the Death of Wolverine number four. Yeah, in fact, there's probably maybe a hair of overlap. Like, and when I say hair, maybe like a minute or two. Yeah. And I would dare say, I think this might kind of bridge between Death of Wolverine and the story at the beginning of issue one of the Logan Legacy. Yeah. So we'll talk about that as we kind of go through it. Um, so phase one question written by Charles Soule, art by Salvador LaRocca, colors by Frank Diamarna, letters by VC's Corey Pennant. And the cover is also by Salvador LaRocca. And I think this is a pretty awesome cover. I like it too. So it's basically um, a red and orangey or peachy maybe color sky. Yeah, yours is more peachy-ish. Yeah, yours is pretty orange. Yeah. Anyway, there's a a yellow moon, a full moon. Now is it a moon or a... Or is it the sun? Because everybody's in silhouette, so I assumed it was the sun. Oh, you're right, you're right. It probably is the sun, yeah. And then in silhouette, under it, is a helicopter, and the blades are making an X. So the sun and the helicopter blades kind of make almost an X-Men logo. Right. And then you have a bunch of people diving out of the helicopter with various assorted Wolverine-type claws. Either Some that people or they have, have really long tongs. Yeah, right. Some have two, some have three. Uh, The one is just an arm, very obviously looks like Sabretooth. Yeah, there's no claws. There's no... There's no extended claws that are on his fingers. Yeah, I was going to say, there's no, like, paws. There's only... (laughs) (laughs) Or there's no claws, there's only paws. Right. But anyway, I think this is a great cover. I like the color work a lot. I like kind of the silhouette idea. I like that better than kind of... Trying to draw detail on the figures. Do you have a hidden X in yours? At least one, yes. I don't know what that's about. There's not just a random X in the background. Well, it's almost like a pencil drawing that it looks like it's to... motion lines, but no one else has them. You know, like it can be like showing the fall, but none of the other guys have little blurry lines, so it's just kind of weird. Well, and this guy has claws coming out of his elbow. Yeah, maybe so. Anyway, this is the Weapon X program. We know that Cornelius was trying to resurrect it or move to a new phase of it. So this is very potentially a bunch of different experiments in his bid to recreate a new Wolverine. Sorry, I'm I'm analyzing the cover. Yeah, she's blown it up and she's looking at it in excruciating detail. (laughs) That's what I do. (laughs) Anyway, all that said, I, I love the cover. It's, it's pretty fantastic. I, I love how the reds, it's supposed to symbolize blood splatter, but it's so but it, spongy yeah. looking that it, it doesn't read immediately as blood to me. Does it right. read immediately as blood to you? You know, at first, other than the sun and or moon being 
not right. I almost thought it was like a canopy of trees, but it, but it didn't fit perspective wise. No. And then so I was like, oh no, it's what is it? And then I then I saw yeah, it's, it's blood splatter. I do like how the guys jumping out. Some of them make X's as well. Yeah, and they all kind of dive in different ways. I just I yeah. don't know. It's just Although, a really good cover. So none of them have a claw on their foot. Besides the weird guy with claws coming out of his elbow. Well, that we see, but right. the feet the feet we can see are in combat boots. Yeah. So. There's a ninja turtle, too. <laughs> what? <laughs> this little guy falling when he blows up looks like a ninja turtle. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of does. He's, he's like, so with, if you're looking at the helicopter, it's the underside yeah. of the propellers, and he's between, like, the propeller and the helicopter yeah. right on the crest yeah. of the moon, and he, he looks like a ninja turtle. Yeah. I hope it's Donatello. Cowabunga, dude. <laughs> well, cool. So it says, like many of these Death of Wolverine-related stories. Oh, sorry. Yes. I, I, this guy has claws on his elbow, too. Yeah, little spikes. Sorry. No, that's cool. Just noticed. Moving on. <laughs> right. So, like many of our Death of Wolverine tie-in. Oh, wait. I'm kidding. I, I just wanted to see you Thunk. huff. <laughs> I just want to see you have. <laughs> so Wolverine is dead. He died here in the Paradise City. Take me down to the Paradise Facility where the mutants are green. <laughs> and the, I don't know. We should have thought of this before we started. <laughs> anyway, he died here in the Paradise Facility. Did I ever tell you? One time, one of the bands I was in, we played a show in Waco. And uh, it was at this coffee shop. Uh, kind of close to Baylor, and uh, we were playing, and it wasn't overly crowded. It was kind of a sparse crowd, and right. people weren't really into us. But there, there were a couple of people that enjoyed it. But there were these two guys in Free the back. No, 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 no. That's what I did when I was in high school. It's really obnoxious. I kind of regret it. <laughs> but no, there's two guys, and they literally like halfway through our set, they were at a coffee table or like a high, like a high table, uh-huh. like a cocktail table. And halfway through this set, they literally like crossed their arms on the table and put their heads down like they were taking a nap. Okay. Like, like we're, we're aggressively bored by this concert. <laughs> and so anyway, when we were done and we were tearing down, me and Blake grabbed acoustic guitars and we started playing a silly version of Paradise City. Uh-huh. Let me guess, their heads perked up? Yeah, no, they popped up like someone popped them with a rubber band, and they're like, yeah! (laughs) I was like, there's a reason you didn't enjoy our show, because you really, really like this. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, Wolverine died in the Paradise facility, surrounded by the failed experiments of the now-deceased Dr. Abraham Cornelius. So he did die. Yeah. Their story begins here. Let's just get to it. What do you think of the art? Oh wow, we're completely jumping in. Um, yeah. Overall, I think it was it was okay. It had its moments where I liked it, and then it, it had its moments where I wasn't overly fond of it. Okay, I liked it. Of course, I like LaRocca. I'm a fan, and I really enjoyed the colors. I thought the colors yeah, were cool. The colors were cool. I guess the only parts that some of the art was hard to understand what was going on. Okay. And some of it seemed a little forced when they're trying not to show the guy's face. Like, it just seemed very, um, I don't know, you know when you watch a sitcom? Right. And it's it's obvious they're trying to hide from the camera for some big reveal later. And so I kind of felt like that's what was happening. Instead of it just happened to be that we don't see this guy's face for a while, I felt like 
certain things were drawn overly intentional to not show his face. Yeah, I can see that. All right, so uh, really this comic's all about the last page. Yes. Um, so basically the story is we see, you know, the aftermath of the death of Wolverine where he kind of busted up the facility. And so now everyone's kind of, it's all kind of gone to shit. And, and they're um, slowly finding sort of, in fact, it kind of reminded me of an apocalypse sort of thing. As, yeah. As the world's coming to an Very end. Very compressed. Yeah. <laughs> They're finding survivors, and they all have special powers. So what is each person's power? Right. Can they do, and can they help them? Yeah. So we start off with Major Sharp, which I can only assume is the guy that Wolverine fought. And oh. Wolverine with the, the, like, razor suit or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, he wakes up, and yeah, so he finds a bunch of other Weapon Xers, and they all have different powers, and, and they basically escape. And he has some interesting flashbacks. One, I actually thought this World War One one, because of the the helmet and the way this one soldier looks, I was like, wait, is that the Sinister Soldiers from Origin 2? No, I don't think it is. Oh, I just assumed it was World War One and moved on. Yeah. And so, um, basically, they eventually get out. They get to the roof. They fight this guy called, what, Backslayer? No. Or Slayback, I'm sorry. Slayback. Yeah. He looks like an alien Deathlock. He has the Deathlock nose um, where he doesn't really have a nose. Anyway, so they all get in the, the helicopter, and they're escaping, they're, they're in this together, and uh, Sharp doesn't remember who he is, but he takes off his mask, and he sees a mirror, and it's Wolverine's face. Yeah, but he also is having Wolverine memories. Well, possibly. Like, is that what those little, because he has one it of World War One, and World he has War one War of and Vietnam. Then, yeah, so it's an, a very old soldier, but he could be in a similar situation. Right. Or it could be Wolverine's memories. So... At first, I thought, okay, well, remember there was that Wolverine-looking clone. Right. In Death and Wolverine. And we pointed that out, too. Yeah, we did. Maybe even kind of called it, because I'm pretty sure whoever this, whatever they end up doing, this guy, he's the guy that's, like, in charge in the Logan Legacy, right? I mean, that's what that's what we're kind of being led to believe anyway. Right. Did you draw that conclusion as well? That's what I yeah. came up with. Because this guy, the big guy, is definitely the same as the big guy, right? Yeah. Did they say his name? I don't remember. So we have the big black dude. We have the guy with the horns who has animal characteristics, including he can, he can spit acid. I will say one of my favorite panels, he spits on the guy's face, and the Weapon X guys are all wearing um, gas masks. And when the acid eating through his gas masks, he looks like a human fly. Yeah, that was actually a panel. I had no idea what was going on. Oh, I really enjoyed it. There's a guy who, like, his brain's kind of sticking out of his skull. Right. And he's smart. He can think. Yeah. Because you can see his brain. Get it? Then we have the really fast girl. And then there's the girl in the hospital bed. So, yeah, I'm assuming these are, they're they're going to hunt down eventually uh, the Logan family for uh, Logan Legacy, wherever that story goes. But right now, they're just escaping from the facility. And so I thought, okay, well, this guy, because we had said one of our theories of the guy under the mask in Logan Legacy was that it could be the clone of Wolverine. Or, right a type clone, or like an alternate version of Wolverine, right? Different timeline, whatever. But I was thinking about that. The only problem with that is if it's, if the, it's a clone and the clone was at the facility, then Cornelius didn't really need Wolverine. He could have taken the healing factor from the clone. Maybe the clone doesn't heal. Maybe he was... Well, so he's not really a clone then. Or, well, maybe there was a mutation. I don't know. Anyway, I'm more inclined to believe, because going page to page... This guy has brown hair the whole issue. 
even though we don't see his face. They do hide his face the whole time. But when we turn to the last page, his hair is either dark brown or black and looks like Wolverine's hair. And the whole rest of the comic is not Wolverine's hair. No. So I think the guy doesn't really look like Wolverine. This is what he's seeing in his mind. Oh, like his mind's playing tricks on him? Maybe, or maybe somehow in some way he got some of Wolverine's memories. Maybe he's like, and that could actually be an interesting story for the Logan legacy if this guy somehow like believes he's Wolverine but isn't. And that can maybe be interesting. Oh, that, that would be interesting. Anyway, I feel like the story leading up to the last pages is it's okay. It's kind of your typical like... Is this the guy you're talking about? Sorry. Yes. Yeah. The guy on the last page of the Logan legacy number one before we start going into the backstories. So the guy who had Lady Deathstrike yeah, now in Logan it. Legacy number one looks a lot like the big bruiser in this issue. So yeah. I'm pretty sure it's all tied together. But yeah, but the story leading up to the last page is kind of a, just a typical, this is how we got together. We came out of this bad circumstance. We bonded. We all have new superpowers from the program, you know, whatever. So it really just depends on where they go on whether I, how much I end up enjoying this. I think they have a, a ton of potential. Right. Well, let me rephrase that. They have a ton of potential to make this great, and they have a ton of potential to make it suck. If it's like Wolverine, or even if Wolverine's consciousness is somehow in him, I think I'll probably be disappointed. If the guy is just like somehow absorbed some of his memories, and he's kind of like on the brink of going crazy, and he thinks he's Wolverine, I can actually get behind that story. Yeah. I think I would like that better, because the idea that Wolverine was cloned, or a part of his mind was melted, that would make me... It, could, it like could still be okay. It would still be okay, but I feel like it was been there, done that. Right. It would feel a whole lot like Superior Spider-Man, for one thing. Right. But then, if they were like, this guy's just going crazy. Right. And he just... Some, it would be interesting if they explain like how he got the memories. Were they trying to implant? Because remember in the first Weapon X program on Wolverine... Like, all his memories coming out were he had a lot of implanted memories and he couldn't remember anything before the the program until after um, House of M when he got his memories back. But the whole first however many years we have Wolverine, he has no idea where he came from, doesn't have a memory, and the memories he does have are false. So we know the Weapon X has, as a program, a lot of memory manipulation. So maybe in the attempt to make a new Wolverine... They tried to give some of these guys some of Wolverine's memories as well. And so that can also be interesting because that can maybe lead to like a psychotic break or well, an obsession to try to like be Wolverine. Well, and I think it would be interesting if the Weapon X program was feeding them memories in the hopes of like Wolverine was a great fighter because he had all this experience behind right, right, right. him. Yeah. So we're going to feed you these memories so that in theory you have this experience as well. But instead it backfires right. and they all go crazy. Yeah, but even in the death of Wolverine, Cornelia said that Wolverine was his greatest failure, but only because he picked, he decided to experiment on an animal. Like what he wanted to do wasn't the failure. He decided that Wolverine as a person was a failure. And that's why he wanted to get like these soldiers, these doctors, right. these, these cream of the crop of humanity to experiment on because the experiment itself was fine. He just needed a better subject. And so I think trying to make them Wolverine, but from a better stock or whatever, it would make sense. It would fit with what his motivation was. Right. So I don't know. I think it's pretty cool. I will say I'm a lot more excited about what this book could be 
than what this particular issue actually was. And that, that's not to say this is a bad issue because it wasn't. It was no. enjoyable enough. It was a page turner. And yeah. I, I will admit when I was reading it, I didn't get bored. I didn't go, oh, when does it end? How many more panels do I have? Right. But yes, when I got to the end, it was like, oh. Yeah, and that's, that's definitely what the whole issue was about, was that last page. In fact, <laughs> I finished it before, before me, before mm-hmm. Jason finished it, and then I stared incessantly at him because <laughs> right. I wanted to yeah. see. Are you there yet? Are you there yet? Right. Turn the page. Turn. Just looking at me like driving me nuts. <laughs> well, because I I wanted to see your reaction to right. it, but I didn't want to be like, <laughs> and so I just sat there and stared at you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then he looks up and goes, "It's the last page, isn't it?" Uh huh. <laughs> Well, cool. Um, so what do you want to grade Death of Wolverine, the Weapon X program number one? Um, before I give it a grade, I am going to oh, point out something one. Something else you want to talk about? Well, I just want to point out one panel that I thought was symbolically beautiful. Okay. And that's... Oh, I'm, yeah, we should talk about I'm sorry. We All right, so describe what you're going to describe. So all the sort of Weapon X people, you know, they, they hunker together and they go up to the roof and they get on a helicopter and they fly off. There's a panel where as the helicopter's flying off, the facility itself blows up. Yeah, I mean, we know there's like rampant fires in the facility, so right. there's going to be and some explosions at some point. Yeah. And so you see the helicopter and you see the facility just completely like blowing up and collapsing in on itself. And then the very next smaller panel is the statue, the adamantium statue of Wolverine. Yeah, or Wolverine adamantium tomb. And it's yeah. just kind of blowing up in the rubble. So the first time we see it in this issue is when Sharp comes out of the, the facility on the roof. I love it because literally people, you know, I think you made the comment right in the at the end of Death of Wolverine number four that it kind of looked like a gargoyle just sitting right. on the roof. And everybody that's here is kind of acting like it's just a decoration part of the roof. Yeah. Like no one is paying any attention to it at all. The only time we even focus on it is when Sharp comes on the roof, he sees it, and he goes, Ugh. like he's constipated. Um, <laughs> we don't really know like what he what he's seeing there. Like is he like identifying with it? Is is something bothering him about it? Is he just like, oh, what the hell? Like we don't really know what he thinks because it's just a little sound effect, a little grunt. And for all we know, it's a grunt because if this is the guy that Wolverine fought before he died. Is it a grunt of like, ugh, I didn't finish you in? Uh, yeah, possibly. Yeah. Or is it a grunt where Wolverine's thoughts are transferred to Sharp? And it's like, oh, you bastard. Hey, you this just me. got Hitchcockian. Okay, so I wasn't even thinking about, I mean, I thought, well, yeah, this is the guy Wolverine fought from Wolverine's side. I wasn't thinking about Wolverine's the guy Sharp fought. So that's got to like be really especially weird when he looks in the mirror it sees the face of the last man he fought. Right. Okay. I yeah. thought you, that's why you came to the conclusion you came to. About no, I just thought like, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, so I don't know if we don't really know when he sees the, the statue, as we'll call it, if he's grunting out of recognition or annoyance or it's just because cause he just kind of made himself come back from a flashback to Vietnam. Right. So maybe he was grunting like, coming back to reality, you know, like, I don't know. And that's just what happened to be in his line of sight. Anyway, I just thought it was really interesting that here's this story where just after Wolverine died and and no one cares. No. No one's trying to get the statue. No one's trying to, like, take it back and do anything with it. 
Yep. Like it's just they're they're acting like it's not even there, and then it just kind of collapses when the building collapses and it's in the rubble. That's where it will stay for now, anyway. Right. So yeah. Well, thank you. I'm glad you you pointed that out because I didn't want to ignore that. I just kind of forgot. Uh huh. All right. Well, not anything else. Nope. Okay. What are you gonna grade the Weapon X program number one? I'm gonna give it five out of six. Okay. Just because I like the idea of what it could be. Yes. Um, and I did think the art was was good, and I also I loved how they kind of handled Wolverine being up on the roof. So I'll give it five out of six. Now, if it disappoints, well, you're gonna retro retroactively grade it down. Yep. I'm gonna give it four out of six. Okay. Uh, four out of six claws because I think I enjoyed the book, and I think I think four is still a pretty strong grade, but. I'm much more interested in what could happen than what actually happened. Right. And so I hesitate to, to give it a five or a six for that reason. But I didn't really enjoy the art. Uh, like I said, the colors. I just thought it was a really good looking book. And I like the story and the characterization. Um, I feel like we got a little bit of sharp. And everyone else, we just kind of got like basic powers more than personality or character. So I, I do want to see kind of how they flesh out as as characters and not just, well, I'm the guy that thinks. I'm the guy that has animal powers. I'm the girl that runs fast. But actually see like who they are. Yeah, I will say that. And we- to be fair, in the first issue with that many new characters, you can't do that all at once. So no. I'm not expecting it. But Well, the only thing I'm hoping that doesn't happen is, you know, we have the girl who's fast. So my first thought was Quicksilver. Yeah, or North Star or whoever. Right. And then it was like, we have the horned person who spits. And I thought of Beast. Yeah, especially the uh, Battle of the Atom Beast, the future Beast where you had the the weird horn. Yeah. And then you had the big guy who was strong. It reminded me of the Hulk. Or Colossus. Yeah. And so I kind of felt like, Okay, I'm really hoping that later on they explain how they stripped people's mutant DNA to come up with these people. Right. Because right now I'm feeling like we're just stealing from the X-Men. Well, it's not just the X-Men, though. It's the Avengers, it's the Justice League, Teen Titans. This little group of people that I'm assuming will probably become a team or whatever. Or maybe it won't. Maybe at the end of this is a limited series. Maybe at the end they all go their separate ways. But at least for this series, there's a group together. And it's kind of all the, the, the typical comic book team archetypes. You know, you have right. the big bruiser. You have the you smart know, guy. Yeah, the smart guy, the speedster. The hot girl. The Yeah. You know, the, the, the tactician who's the leader, you know, has like, he's a warrior. Right. You know, a fighter or whatever. So, yeah, that kind of all, all fits in the formula. But I think, I think sometimes writers can play with that trope and then go beyond it so, and i think right. soul is definitely capable of that because he's a fantastic writer so yeah i would say i'm definitely super interested and we'll just we'll see where it goes so cool that's uh that's the weapon x program submit now they need a catchphrase what? not that because that's something else but what show is that from I submit know. it's from a, it's from a show or a movie i don't remember but anyway but no weapon x needs a pr- uh, catchphrase Oh, like for the podcast? No, no, like for the program, like the program itself. They need something they can monologue about, like submit, obey, you know, something like that. I'll I'll get my marketing team on that (laughs) for you, baby. Anyway, let's move on. Moving on. Okay, so next up we have Requiem for a Wolverine. We got a few things to talk about here. Um, Before we get started, um, I am flying solo on this one. And it's not because Denise didn't want to. 
But, um, we have some family matters. Did I do that? That we have to take care of. And, um, you know, I just, I, I needed to give Denise a little bit of break on the reading. There's a lot to read here. So anyway, we have Death and Wolverine, Life After Logan, number one. Death and Wolverine, Deadpool and Captain America, number one. Wolverine and the X-Men, number 11. And just because I didn't have really anywhere else to stick it, <laughs> and because it's kind of commemorative in nature, uh, the Marvel 75th Anniversary Celebration. So, Life After Logan, number one. We have three stories. You... Written by Jeff Loveness, with art by Mario Del Panino, and colors by David Curiel. In His Honor, uh, by Joshua Hell Vialkov. Art by Ivan Cello, and colors by Jim Carl Lampidus. I'm pretty proud of the way I said that. <laughs> kind of rolled right off my tongue, and I'm pretty sure it's right. <laughs> A Little Piece of You, written by Rex Ogle. Pencils by Patrick Shareburger, which I'm not going to share my burger. Screw that. Inks by Mark Deering and colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. And then VC's Joe Caramagna did all of the letters. Um, the cover is by Javier Palito, and I like this cover quite a bit. It's a red silhouette of Logan, and the title is kind of above his chest, but then inside the red silhouette is all solid, but then there's six black claws where his hands would be. I think it looks really cool, and then around him we have Colossus and Nightcrawler, and then Armor, and then Cyclops, kind of representing the three different stories in three different locations on the cover. I like this cover quite a bit. I like uh, Javier Panino, and this is a great cover. It's kind of all reddish in black, like red, black, and gray. And it just looks really cool. So, the first story, you, is basically Cyclops remembering Wolverine and their super complicated relationship. You know, the Uncanny X-Men currently have their base at the old Weapon X facility. And Cyclops is thinking about Wolverine and what all they've been through. And he comes to a spot on the wall where, you know, Wolverine, during his escape from the facility, put claw marks in the wall, and, and Cyclops just kind of stares at him. And he's like, we were at each other's throat all the time, so why do I miss you so much? And he remembers a, a pretty cool time after Jean Grey died where, you know, they, they talk about their differences, but Wolverine's like, but you need to stay. We don't get to quit. You know, and he thinks about when Wolverine had his adamantium stripped, and... You know, the the tough times he went through. And uh, there's a part where Wolverine says, um, one of these days I'm going to stab you right in the laser eyes. And Cyclops is like, well, technically they're not lasers. Nobody cares. Still stabbable, Wolverine replies. And Cyclops kind of resolves that despite all of their differences, the one thing they had in common is neither of them ever gave up. They were both always there, no matter what. Always in the fight. Always fighting for what was they thought was right, even when they disagreed. And Cyclops kind of laments that he broke it. He betrayed Gene. Uh, he broke the team, broke Professor X's faith. He's broken everything, he says, but we don't get to quit. And he decides that, uh, you know, a funeral for Wolverine may not be what Wolverine would want necessarily. Um, he goes, so, a funeral for Wolverine, what's that going to be like? Let me guess, Captain America stoically recalls the time she punched Nazis together. Kitty tearfully struggles through a Bushido proverb. Kurt recites a psalm you never read. And he's like, but what would you really want? And so he goes to a bar and there's some guy bragging about, um, either verbally or physically, maybe it's implied both, uh, abusing his mutant son. 
I like it because the bar's name is the Lens, like Lynn Ween, who uh, co-created Wolverine. But Wolverine's death has really brought out a lot of uh, Lynn Ween nods. That's pretty cool. Um, anyway, Cyclops, uh, he goes in there and he kicks all their asses. And he's, he says, there's only one thing left to, left to say. And he grabs a beer from the bar and he goes, here's to you, bub. <laughs> thought that was pretty cool. I actually liked it quite a bit. And the art was pretty nice. Colors were good. Of course, I always love Curiel's colors. I enjoyed it. That was a good story. Then the next story in his honor is um, Nightcrawler and Colossus are coming to bring a sword to Mariko's grave. But for some reason, it's being heavily guarded. Colossus is like, well, let's, they won't let us in. Let's just go. And Nightcrawler's like, no, I'm here as Wolverine's emissary. I will not be stopped. And if that means we got to fight like Wolverine, then we fight like Wolverine. <laughs> he says, we wouldn't be paying proper homage to him if we simply walked in. And Colossus is reluctant. He doesn't really want to fight. But Nightcrawler is feeling extra edgy. Uh, he's, you know, he's missing his friend, mourning his friend. And he's, uh, he wants to have a good Wolverine-style fight. So they stick the sword in the ground, they get in there, and um, the robo-ninjas return to the robo-ninja, and they don't like it, so they attack, and Colossus armors up, and him and Nightcrawler fight. We get a really cool Colossus-Nightcrawler fastball special, just kind of for style points, because Nightcrawler can teleport, he doesn't need a fastball special, but it still looks really cool. And then before he lands, he teleports and takes out like four different guards. And, of course, he fights with swords with his tail. And they're all like, man, I wish Wolverine was here. And Colossus is like, yeah. Anyway, the art overall is pretty good. I really like the way he draws Nightcrawler's tail. And it kind of, there's a one point where it kind of, a panel of Nightcrawler's face. And the tail kind of bends up by his mouth. It looks really cool. And the fighting scenes are really cool. So, I like that. And I thought that story was also really good. So, then the last story is a little piece of you and it's armor and she's in a danger room scenario with all wolverine's favorite bad guys mystique saber teeth silver samurai and viper she does an armor snicked that's pretty cool like that quite a bit and then she fights them she takes them out but it's momentary and they they get up on her and mystique pulls the gun up to her face and says do me a favor and flip him the bird for me when you join him in hell and then julian breaks in and turns off the danger room and they bond uh julian actually says something kind of funny i mean because i mean everyone knows y'all were close logan was like that creepy uncle always hanging around with young girls pride jubilee you laura Idy. of course armor punches him and they start to like they're about to fight but uh armor starts crying and she just really misses Logan. Logan took her under his wing. He was her mentor. And she really misses him. And she talks about her armor. You know how it's kind of made up of like her ancestors or whatever? She says that she felt it when Wolverine died. And she only feels it when her family dies. But she feels like there's a piece of him in her armor somehow. Like his family. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I just thought, I thought the art was a little bit cartoony, but in a good way. I enjoyed it. Colors were really nice. And it was a good story. Uh, she basically decides at the end she's okay. She talks to Julian. Julian tries to ask her out. And she's like, ew, no. <laughs> anyway, I thought overall these, they were nice kind of one and done short stories. I'm glad they were in a little compilation. And I enjoyed them a lot more than I kind of thought I would. So I'm going to give Death of Wolverine life after Logan. Um, you know, it's not like groundbreaking, but it was fun. And it was... It wasn't like super emotional, but it was still touching in a good way. So I'm going to give it a five out of six claws.
So next, we have Death of Wolverine, Deadpool, and Captain America. This is written by Gary Dugan, art by Scott Collins, colors by Veronica Gandini, letters by VCs Joe Sabino, and then the cover is by Ed McGinnis and Maury Hollowell. And the cover is <laughs> Old Man Rogers on top of Deadpool's shoulders, and they're fighting some ninjas. It's a pretty cool cover. I like it. <laughs> it's funny. And the ninjas look cool. So I really like the intro. And Deadpool is always good for, for a good intro. Once upon a time, there was a guy named Wolverine. Some people called him Logan. Some people called him James Howlett. Some people called him Patch because he was wearing an eye patch. And they did not have much in the way of imagination. Hey, nice eye patch. I'm going to call you Patch. Honestly. Anyway, whatever you call him, he died. Back when he was alive, he knew a guy named Steve and a guy named Wayne. The three had one big thing in common. They had all been turned into living weapons by a secret government program. Steve was their success story. He was Captain America. Wayne was their failure story. He became the uncontrollable Deadpool. Patch? He was right down the middle. The vicious, unstoppable killer who became a hero who then, like I said, became dead. Point is, Wayne, Steve, and Logan grew to respect each other, and then Logan grew dead. <laughs> it's a nice start to the book. And so basically, it is Steve and uh, Deadpool are cleaning up Logan's room in the Avengers Mansion. And uh, Deadpool, of course, is very funny about it. You know, clean, he's cleaning the bathroom. He says, even his hair had hair. But basically, they're scrubbing it down because they don't want. They do not want anyone to be able to find any Wolverine DNA to try to bring him back or clone him or, you know, good or bad. And supposedly, there's an old knife that he was cut with. And it looks like it's uh, one of Jack the Ripper's knives based on our little flashback. Which is kind of funny, and but fitting for a Deadpool book. The Black Widow has tracked it down, but she's got other things to do. So Captain America, Old Man Rogers, and Deadpool are going to go get it. We see a really cool full page of, theoretically, the first time Wolverine and Cap fought. Wolverine's in his brown and yellow. Captain America's in his old school uniform, and they're fighting. And Scott Collins makes it look just wonderful. And it's funny because there's like a, a, a place, and Zek is on it. So I'm, does Zek draw that? Did he draw the Cap annual that Wolverine uh, met Cap in for the first time in chronology? In comics, I don't remember if he did or not, but it's a nice throwback if he did. Uh, anyway, and Steve talks about how he told Wolverine, he goes, you can never be an Avenger. <laughs> uh, and Deadpool laughs about it. I laughed about it. But Deadpool says something interesting. He says, you know, Wolverine, like, turned it around. And when you made him an Avenger, it gave every miscreant on the planet some hope they could turn their sorry lives around. So I thought that was cool. And it talks about how fun it was drinking with Wolverine. And basically, it's a big uh, downer fest. Wolverine's a big Debbie Downer. They're having a beer at a bar. And it's after Deadpool found, a, uh, found his daughter or thought his daughter was dead. And Wolverine's basically telling him, you'll survive. You'll be miserable. It won't be fun, but you'll survive. <laughs> but then they get to Moscow. And it turns out AIM has the knife. So they have a limited amount of time to try to get it back before they do something terrible. There's a cool scene with the elevators as it goes across the floors. Uh, Deadpool puts a garbage bag, a yellow garbage bag on his head as an aim disguise. That's pretty funny. So basically they get the knife. Uh, lots of jokes and fighting ensue. And they escape. And Cap just gives him the knife. Tells him to destroy it. Gives it to Deadpool. Says it's up to you. Deadpool takes it home. 
And he takes it to this lab. Uh, what's the guy's name? Butler from the Deadpool series. And there's a um, incubator of his own design. He can grow a full body from... It's basically a cloning machine. Any DNA, he can, he can fix it up. Deadpool goes in there and he scrapes some blood off of the knife into a petri dish. He's like, maybe Cap knew I would do this, but that's not his style. He actually trusted me to do the right thing. I don't really know what that is. Is it right to bring Logan back or is that just torturing myself and him? Is it wrong? He goes, I'm going to have to think about it. So, Art is Wonderful by Scott Collins. It's fantastic. The story by Dugan is the kind of Deadpool story I like. Where... It's like a serious story and kind of has dark overtones. And Deadpool's funny. It's lots of good one-liners. I won't bore you by repeating all of them. And he's ridiculous, but the story in and of itself is not ridiculous. Ridiculous things happen in it. But it's actually like, I don't know. That's how I like Deadpool. When the whole comic is just a joke and there's not like a real story or the story is a joke, I kind of get tired of him. But when he's kind of a joke, but in... A good serious story. I like him, and I thought him and Old Man Rogers hanging out together was a, was a good kind of buddy team up. I thought that was pretty fun. So I'm going to give Death and Wolverine, Deadpool, and Captain America number one five out of six claws. Wolverine and the X Men number eleven. Eulogy part two by Jason Latour. The different artists are Ben Caldwell, Pharrell Dalrymple. Dalrymple. I'm sorry. Enrico Renzi, Jason Latour himself, Robbie Rodriguez and Israel Silva, Vanessa Del Rey and Enrico Renzi, and Chris Bonner and Enrico Renzi. With a special thanks to Brittany Heiner and Terrence Hoskins. VC's Clayton Cowles does the letters and production. And the cover is by Mahmoud Azrar and Marte Gracia. And the cover is actually pretty cool. It's kind of a brown tone. And Molina is holding Wolverine's dead body. And Storm is holding Wolverine's dead hand. I really like the cover a lot. Then we open the book, and I don't really care. The artist jam session is not as bad as the previous issue, but basically, Melina is trying to interview Spider-Man. She's interviewing the X-Men, now she's interviewing Spider-Man. So we flash back to Spider-Man and Wolverine talking about uh, when Wolverine was going to start the school. Melina interviews Quentin Quire with Spider-Man, and Quentin is just a big jerk, a big brat. I don't like him when he's too bratty, so whatever. She talks to Storm. I will say when Storm talks about their flashback in Japan, the art's okay. The colors are really awesome. It's all kind of neon-y, but it looks really cool. And Storm basically says, you know what? It's not his story. It's not ours. It's your own. So, you know, do what you want to do with it. You have my blessing. The only part I actually really enjoyed about this book was the epilogue. And we go to the Savage Land. Quentin Quire's like, so, you wanted to teach me a lesson, is that it? To get me back in the game? Well, old man, you play one hell of a long game. And he's in a, an adamantium rocking chair that says Old Fart Logan on it. <laughs> he goes, they won't give up where your body really is. They're afraid someone might try to do something stupid like try to resurrect you. That's okay. I don't want to know. I'd be tempted to go there every day and spit on it before my morning coffee. Ruin my whole schedule. So this place will do. Damn madhouse full of stuff too stupid and stubborn to know its time has passed. Don't worry about this rocking chair rotting or ever being eaten cost me a fortune, but I made sure it's as hard as your head. It'll keep. Hope I still get to put you in it one day. And that's the end. And that part was actually pretty cool. I didn't mean to read all that. Sorry. But I, I enjoyed that part. The epilogue. The rest of it, I uh, kind of, having a second issue of Moita doing her story was 
maybe a little unnecessary, but I kind of felt like, so this is the last issue of Volume 2 of Wolverine and the X-Men. And there were a couple of highlights, but I think that's a good uh, adjective for the second volume and just kind of unnecessary. Man, I just, I hate to say it because I, I so enjoyed Jason Latour on um, Japan's Most Wanted, but overall this series has not been really right up my alley and this issue was kind of lame with a, a good epilogue, which doesn't make for a great comic. Uh, the art parts of it were okay. Some of it was okay. Some of it was kind of bad again. Yeah, I don't know. Just whatever. Um, I'm going to give Wolverine and the X-Men number 11. I'll give it two out of six claws. The Marvel 75th Anniversary Celebration. Anniversary is written by James Robinson with art by Chris Samney, colors by Jordi Belair, and letters by VCs. Woohoo! Corey Pettit. Captain America Foils and Traitor's Revenge is by Bruce Timm and Stan Lee. It's based on an old text written by Stan Lee uh, with colors by Dave Stewart, letters by Ferran Delgado. Alias is by Brian Michael Bendis with art by Michael Gatos. Colors by Matt Hollingsworth, letters by VCs, Woohoo, Corey Pettit. That Parker Boy, Tom DeFalco, penciled by Stan Goldberg, inked by Scott Hanna. Colors by Paul Mounts, letters by VCs, Joe Caramagna. Walkabout, which is our Wolverine story, is written by Lynn Ween, co-creator of Wolverine. Art by Paul Galachi. Colors by Rain Barreto. Letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. And there's a bunch of one-page kind of posters of Marvel comics we never made by a bunch of different people. And they're pretty fun. So our first story, Anniversary, is actually probably my favorite. It's a guy talking about where were you, you know, when the heroes came into being. You know, it's a good little retrospective. They kind of tie some of the newer characters in, make the timeline not so old. But I just thought it was a really good story. That was probably my favorite. There's a part where we see uh, Wolverine running through the forest as a Logan. The Captain America story is fun in its own way. I will say the Bruce Tim art, kind of looking like old Jack Kirby mixed with Bruce Tim is really nice. Just really fun. Uh, the story is not bad. So there's a part, so one of these, some of these, these fake covers, the first one is Squirrel Girl, and on the cover she's getting married to Rocket Raccoon. Uh, then we have Civil War baby style, and Baby Cap fighting Baby Iron Man. Then we have the License Contest of Champions, where we see a bunch of characters Marvel's printed before but can't use anymore. They're all blacked out and scratched out, but you can still kind of tell who they are. We have Rom, some Transformers, Godzilla. Um, I don't know. I don't know who all of these are. I can't really tell, and I didn't read enough of that stuff to know. We, I know we have the Micronauts on there, and it's all like, nope, can't do it, can't do it. We have a really cool Benson Kavich cover of. Power pack, but they're all grown up, and they all some of them look kind of burnt out, <laughs> which makes sense. Uh, the alias story is about a lady who got saved by the fireman after the original Human Torch came to town, and uh, she hires Jessica Cage to f- try to find this fireman. She never can find him, and she ends up finding him, and they they share a moment. Then we see the Portland Avengers which Granola, the crunch that walks like a man, and some other hipstery kind of characters. Then we have X-Meh with a bunch of rejects, or kind of second-rate X-Men. Though Pixie and Colossus are on there, and I wouldn't put them in the same class as all these others. Forge probably maybe belongs there now. There was a time when he didn't. That Snake Girl with the pheromones. Um, Marrow. 
Spiral, some guy with a bunch of tattoos, Shatterstar, Adam Extreme, Calypso, and Celine. Oh, there's a Spider-Man story that's drawn, kind of animated, cartoon style. It's all right. My favorite fake cover is Groot. And he's a lawyer with She-Hulk. So it's Groot, attorney at law, Francesco Francavilla. And it's a great cover. Anyway, Groot's standing there in a suit. And he says, I am Groot. And off panel, the judge says, case dismissed. (laughs) This was my favorite part of the whole issue with this fake cover here. Then we have the Amorous X. It's just a bunch of people making out, including Wolverine and Storm. Then our Wolverine story. It's basically Wolverine in Australia. He's going into dream time and he says, Eugene, Professor X, a bunch of stuff. But it's not real. And then Sabretooth shows up and he is real. He's like, finally. And they fight. Um, wasn't that great. Art wasn't that great. I didn't really enjoy it that much. Um, overall, I will give the 75th anniversary celebration a 4 out of 6 claws. So anyway, that's going to be our uh, Requiem for Wolverine. Hope you enjoyed it. Let's get back to our regularly scheduled podcast. Yee-haw! We got a Wolverine roundup. <laughs> That's right. We got the all-new X-Men. This is issue number 33. Yeah, and it features X-23. And it is written by Michael, <clears throat> Brian Michael Bendis. Artist is... Mahmoud Azrar. Thank you, baby. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know if that's right. That's my best guess. Colorist is Marte Gracia. Letterer is VCs Corey Bennett. Woohoo. No, 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 no. Woohoo. I, I got to do it my way. And then there's an error. Yeah. So Sarah Pacelli and Marte Gracia are credited with the cover. But oopsie. But looking at the art, and not to mention the signature, is very clearly an Azrar cover. So what's on this cover? Well, it's Azrar and Garcia. Gracia. I'm sorry, Gracia. Yeah. Uh, so we've got Spidey. Well, not just Spidey. We have Ultimate Spider-Man, Miles Morales. And we have Young Jean Grey. Yeah. And they are falling. Tumbling. Yeah. And it looks like Jean is pushing him away. And or trying to. Yeah. yeah. And he looks like he's about to take a punch at her. Yeah, maybe they're grappling in midair. Young Jean is trying to use her mental powers. That's why it's all pinkish. Oh, I thought it was the perfectly positioned hand on her forehead. To me, my Spider-Man. <laughs> You will obey me. So what do you think of this cover, babe? Can I call you babe on the podcast? Yeah, before I think. Okay. Um, I love this cover. I find it intriguing. I like, well, first of all, I'm a huge fan of Azrar's art. And I found to be true, especially of his covers. And that's not to downplay his interior art, which I also love. No, no, there's something about, he just does really, really good covers, I think. Well, I have one issue with the cover. What's your issue with the cover? So, you see how it's got the bright pink and it's all flowy and it's supposed to look like she's using her mind. Mm-hmm. And the characters are all outlined in pink. There is one place on Spider-Man where the pink invades into Spider-Man. And it bugs me because it's the only place that this happens. In the oh, world. where he's groping his butt? Yes. And it just, it bugs me. It's the only, it's not like it does it on his arm and I could say, well, it's just awkwardly placed. It's the only place it does it. Well, Jean's telekinetic anaconda don't want none unless Ultimate Spider-Man's got buns, on. 
All right. <laughs> Let's move on. All right. To the so end. remember our all new X Men tried to go of their own accord and save a new mutant, and in return, they got transported to the ultimate universe. And they got banished to different <laughs> dimensions, and they're not. No, they're all on the same one. Oh, are they? Yeah, they're all on the ultimate Earth, but they're not at the same place. They're in different locations. Yeah, they're scattered about. So we start off with Iceman with the mole people, yep. and he gets proud of himself, and then he realizes he screwed up. So he kind of does something interesting and decides, well, I've seen older me. I know that my powers can do more than what I'm used to. Yeah. So he decides to push his limits. Yeah, he's going to try. He's going to try to do what he's seen himself do. Yeah. <laughs> so he creates these ice monsters. He gets away from the mole people. I like where he goes, Ice Hulk smash. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I do love, there's a, um, I laughed out loud when I was reading it because the mole man goes, no. Iceman's like, yep. <laughs> I got to say, I, I adore Bendis' younger Iceman. I, there's another. He, he may be one of my favorite characters. My my favorite little segment is he builds an ice wall and like surrounds himself. So in theory, these mole people can't get to him. And he says, "I didn't think I had a limit." I'm yeah, but he left it with the skylight, so yeah, all the mole people just fall through. Right, and he goes, "And none of the X guys are here to see me to trap myself." <laughs> so I thought that was. That was funny. It was very Iceman-ish. Well, yeah, because he's, he's like really proud of himself. Like, oh, I finally do all this right. And my X-Men team, who always give me such a hard time for being a screw-up, they're not here. And then, oh, to see me screw up. Yeah. <laughs> I also love when he gets to the surface and people are running away screaming. And he's like, you think I'm the problem? You got mole people. Right. So, I like how he starts thawing out. Yeah, I like that, too. And uh, he's kind of halfway thawed when this giant thing... Subterranean creature busts through the street. Yeah. And that's where we leave Iceman. And then we move on to X-23. Yeah, up in Canada. Yep. And she's trying to get into the little Canadian bunker. The Weapon X facility. Right. Which for her is, in her world, her current base. Because she's on the Uncanny X-Men base with the Audio X-Men. And then Angel shows up and she's like... We get a snicked. Yes. Angel shows up. He's like, hey. She's like, what do you want? A hug? <laughs> She's like, I don't do that. Yeah, I'm not the hugging type, Warren. Yeah, which is funny because I think you and I had a very similar conversation. Oh, uh, you, But you, I've turned you, though. Yes, you have turned me. <laughs> Jason once was like, by the way, my family is a uh, family of huggers. I was like, yeah. I, don't, I don't hug. Yeah, but now she is. <laughs> I'm a She's hugger. a chronic hugger now. I'm not a chronic hugger. I'm a... I'm a I, I just, I got, I got a little a moder- problem. You're a moderate hugger? <laughs> yes. I got a little problem. Yeah. Anyway, so while they're saying this is weird. Yeah, they're talking about what's going on. She's explaining that, you know, yes, there is a jungle in the middle of Antarctica. Well, they're they're freaked out um, because, she, well, yeah, because she knows about the Savage Land and Young Angel doesn't because in his timeline, the X-Men haven't been there yet. And also they're worried because the base still looks like it's super deserted. And right, and frozen over. Yeah, no one's been there forever, and like they, we just left this. Right. Right? And then out of the the sort of frozen frontier is our Wolverine-looking blonde. Blonde Wolverine, yes. Yeah, so he busts in and... He's like, get the hell out of here. Yeah, and they're like, hey, look, we're just trying to get inside. And he goes, if you're a mutant, you don't want to be in there. I like because he goes, 
girl, put those claws away and back away from that door. And X-23 is like, did you just girl me? Yeah. And then Angel calls him Baby Wolverine. And that, that was hilarious. Well, I love that. And I love when, because obviously Angel's run into Baby Wolverine. And so he's like, you. And X-23 goes, you know him? And Angel's response is, he's not a hugger. Right, because Angel met him in the Savage Land. Right. I don't know. I just love that that sort of witty retort. Yeah, no, yeah. I, yeah, Bendis really makes these young X-Men pop, I think. Yeah. I like, I like the way he writes almost all of them. I do, too. So, so anyway, X-23 and James Hudson have a stare down. And then they go inside, and what happens? So in the Ultimate Universe, we have a little alternate... Uh, history here. Yeah, and so... So mutants weren't a genetic accident. They were made. Right. So what do you think of that? I actually kind of like that. I, I like how the whole idea of experimenting, and I think it would work well if the military was trying to come up with, like, a super soldier, and that's where it came from. Yeah, it's, it's very Frankenstein, Dr. Moreau. Yes. Um... Well, even, yeah, even, yeah, I guess it ties all of me, instead of like the Weapon Plus program using mutants, they made mutants. Right. I actually haven't read this. The last time I read Ultimate X-Men was a long time ago, and for all we knew, mutants were just mutants. But, I mean, this is interesting. I don't know if I would want this to be the norm in the regular Marvel Universe, but it's an interesting alteration. I do think it's an an interesting twist, especially knowing... If that's really what it is, Wolverine's like army background and right. it kind of falls into place. Right. Anyway, we find out this guy is Wolverine's son in the yes. Ultimate Universe. And Angel and X-23 just sort of have these like deer in headlights. Yeah. And so we move over to Young Beast and mm-hmm. he's coming out of a dream. And he says, oh, Gene. <laughs> And then Doctor Not Doom. Kinda, Victor Van Damme. I kind of hate that. I won't lie. Yeah. <laughs> it's too Jean-Claude Van Damme for me. Oh, I was thinking Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> oh, well, that too. Anyway, he's very curious about this beast from an alternate universe. And he wants to know more about the alternate universe so he so can take it over. Beast tries to escape, only to come back. Yeah. The and Doom before brought- the third course finished. Yeah. The Doombots capture him and bring him back and just put him back in his chair. Um, all right, so then we kind of get to the crux of the issue, I think. Yeah, this is sort of the meat and potatoes. Yeah. So it's basically a long interaction between Miles and young Gene and Miles' friend. Uh, what's his Roommate. A gank. Like G-A-N-K. Yeah. He looks like um, a young Psy. Oh, 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 but Gangnam style. <laughs> yeah. He does. Hey, a young slacker sigh. Yes, or as Ethan would say, "Hey, beautiful lady." Yes, I don't know if we've told that on the podcast before. So when that song was super annoyingly popular, yes, um, Ethan was singing it, and I don't know, maybe we were being a little too. He was like barely seven. No, he wasn't even that old. He was six, five or six. Yeah, yeah, and so. Maybe for us, or maybe just for going to school, we didn't really want him singing, Hey, sexy lady! Because that's the last thing we need is his kindergarten teacher sending home an email that Ethan's talking about being sexy. Yeah, that's right. Um, but then he, so we told him, you know, well, maybe you shouldn't say that. He goes, 
obviously, he's a, he's a bright young lad, and he followed it up with, well, what, is, what does sexy mean? What does that word mean? And we said, well, it's just a grown-up word for beautiful. And so... We, let me back up a little. We told him it was a bad word. And he, he asked what made it a bad I think word. we said inappropriate, not yeah. bad. Yeah. And we told him that it's a word he can use when he's older and he understands the terminology behind uh, it. Okay, right, right. He goes, well, tell me what it means and I can understand it now. Right. And so we told him. <laughs> yeah, that it's it, a grown-up word for beautiful. Right. And so. So he proceeded to change the lyrics to, hey, beautiful lady. Oh, 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 Gingham style. And it was one of my favorite moments in all of life. <laughs> and he still does it. Yeah, and just one of those things that is is silly and goofy beyond compare, but just makes you smile as a parent. Yeah. So anyway, that's uh, this is the podcast that goes family hour. Yes. Um, <laughs> so anyway, Gene, young Gene, wants to get back to the school, and they want to borrow this guy's mom's car because she never drives it. Yeah. Won't know it's missing. So Gene telepathically drives it to the Xavier School. They get there, Jean telepathically. Why is she going? What is she looking for? She's looking for Cerebro. Yes, so she can find her friends. Yes. And so she telepathically leaps them over the gate. Yeah. And they realize the place is almost completely deserted. And I say almost, because while they're there, who do they run into? The ultimate X-Men show up. We've got Storm, what we think is Firestar, Rogue, Iceman, what we think is Rachel Gray. Or Jean. It could be Jean. Or Jean. And then a mystery lady. Yeah, I'm not sure who that is. I'm in my, Her Kitty hair Pride? is kind of purplish, but that may just be shading, so maybe it's Psylocke. Honestly, like I said, I haven't read Ultimate X-Men in forever, so I have no idea who's currently on their roster. But, no, what, what did you think of the art? I thought it was fantastic. Oh, I loved it. Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge Azrar fan. He's one of my... You know... I, it's really funny because I I enjoyed his work in DC, but ever since he came, ever since he made the switch to Marvel, I feel like his art has just grown a lot, and I just he's become one of my favorite artists. Well, sometimes it's just a matter of it's a fresh perspective. Yeah, and I think I don't know like if he always inked himself at DC, and maybe that's part of it. Oh, I inked myself. <laughs> yes. And, and honestly, I mean, part of it is he's had amazing colors on almost everything he's done at Marvel. Yeah. And, and so that helps, too. The um, colors in this one are phenomenal. Yeah, I wasn't sure about the pink sky in Canada at first, but I actually ended up liking it quite a bit. This panel where they're, she's telepathically floating them over the gate, love. Well, yeah, and, and like different, the sky of different scenes kind of offset that character's uniform to a degree so like we have and maybe that's why i thought they were all in different worlds maybe yeah yeah because the backdrop is very different color palettes like the underground stuff looks awesome it's all like greens and grays and purple shadows and muted tones yeah muted tones and then but when he goes up to the surface it's it's super bright yeah and And then you have like the pink sky in canada kind of contrasted against the bread uh the bread the red uniform of angel yeah that looks really cool you know and then you have young beast and he's in his orange suit but the sky's like a greenish hue in um latveria latveria latvia i forget which one's I just have a major brain fart. Which one's the real country? Which one's the Dr. Doom country? 
<laughs> yeah, okay. But anyway, like the, the sky is yellowish and greenish and it kind of compliments but also matches beast uniform. Right. So that's cool. And then not so much in the dorm, but when they get in the car and they're driving at night, the sky is not just black and blue. There's almost a little bit of there's like a green in the sky as yeah. well and it matches jeans green uniform and just, i don't know i just i feel like the the color work and choices in this book were amazing no i agree all right so what do you think of this story i i know you don't know until this story this is the first story you've ever had with the ultimate universe and it's my first trip there in a while so what, what do you think of it so far so far i kind of like it yeah it's, it's interesting it's keeping my interest yeah, I was really intrigued. I thought the Miles Gene kind of friendship was very interesting. And I could actually see maybe something happening happening there. Yeah, and I think I'd be okay with that. And I think also, you're going to hate me for saying this. Uh-oh. I, I think young Gene's actually a pretty compelling character. You know, she talks about, like, being lost in space and time. And she the, the part where she talks about, like, no one gets a second chance. But I saw, like, how my old self completely screwed the pooch and I'm getting a sec I'm getting a do over, which you're not allowed to have, but I got it. And now here I am, not making the same mistakes, but still screwing up. And she feels bad about it and the Miles is like, No, it's it's not your fault but she still feels like responsible and guilty and then she still has like playfulness because like when they're in the dorm and the guy's like she needs to take a shower. She's like, no, you can't come with me. He's like, well, I barely thought that for like a microsecond. And she says, I was just joking. And plus, Azrar, with his facial expressions, just completely brings her to life. Yeah. Right? The part where she's rolling her eyes and when she's scared or when she's worried or when she's contemplative. Like, he just, man, he, he just is good. And he, that makes her more intriguing. He is, and I'll be curious to see how I feel about Gene. Right, I know we, you're you're a classic Gene hater. Not classic, like she should burn. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but anyway, going back to her and Miles, I mean, if we have Star Lord and Kitty having a long distance relationship through space, then they can conceivably have a long distance relationship through different dimensions, a trans dimensional boyfriend. Are they going to like or, or magically or, create a mailbox so that yeah. they can shove love letters through it? Uh, yeah. Or, you know, in the all-new X-Men, young Scott went to space with his father and kind of broke up the team. Maybe Gene stays in the Ultimate Universe. I'd be okay with that. That would be an that. interesting twist. So Flusher. I have no idea, but that's all speculation. Right? I just, I really enjoyed their interaction. It felt very real. Yeah. I, I agree with that one. Okay. So, anything else you want to talk about? Nope. All right, what are you going to grade all new X-Men number 33? I'm going to give it five out of six. Okay, I'm also going to give it five out of six claws. So that was our Wolverine Roundup. I couldn't think of the name. I was like, <laughs> what is this section called? <laughs> Yee-haw! Okay, so that's going to do it for episode 107. We had some more um, Logan Legacy with the spotlight on Sabretooth. We had the kickoff of the Weapon X program. We had Requiem for a Wolverine. And we saw X-23 and her adventures in the Ultimate Universe and all-new X-Men. And that's a summary of what you just listened to, because that's interesting, right? Um, Anyway, uh, (laughs) I hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, I don't know what will be next. You'll find out when you hear it. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs>
So I will say, um, this will be a, an extra reason for some of you to maybe check out the Facebook page. Ooh. Um, David Hooray posted a link of a YouTube video. I'm assuming it was probably shot over Halloween. But there's what sounded like maybe some drunk girls, and they meet a person on the street who okay. is dressed in a Wolverine costume and even has a nice big cigar. And he dances to the entirety of Beyonce's single ladies. Are you serious? And does all the moves in full Wolverine costume. So if you want to see it, uh, David uh, posted that to the Facebook page. So thank you, David. So go check it out. I want to go check it out. Yeah, it, it's on there. So um, I think, I don't think he did it to my personal page. I think it's on the podcast page. If I'm wrong, I'll, uh, I'll correct that. <laughs> if you're wrong, you'll post it to the Snick yeah, page. Yeah, I'll share it to the, the podcast and go Snick page. But anyway, it's definitely worth, worth seeing. Uh, so anyway, speaking of which, please like the Facebook page. Leave an iTunes review. Don't email at snickcast at yahoo.com. Um, our Twitter is at snickcast. And the website with show notes is snickcast.podbean.com. And I believe that's all we have. So without further ado, hugs and snicks. snicks. Bye.